I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello and welcome back to So I Got To Thinking, the weekly Sex and the City podcast where we take the iconic questions of Carrie Bradshaw and apply them to modern life and love. As ever, you are listening to Chip Kilkenny, Juno Dawson, and Willie, Dylan B. Jones. <laughs> Hi, Dylan. Hi, Juno. Poor Willie. Yeah. Um, we're back. We've We're back. In the time that we've been away, we've had a new monarch, two new prime ministers. Um, Jesus. What else has happened? A lot of a lot has been going on, hasn't it? As always. <laughs> As always, I have a very chic new haircut. Yes. The, the most in the, in the most Carrie Bradshaw way. What's the truly important news? My haircut. <laughs> Juno looks like she should be sitting outside um, a brasserie in Paris <gasps> with no book, no fun, no armor. Just, just myself and a glass of wine. Glass of red wine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, so season six, where... Ah, it's so weird. It's the last season. But it's not. It's not our last season. (laughs) But it's... I can't believe we've reached season six. I can't believe it. It feels like we started this venture two minutes ago. Mm. Season six, to market, to market. For the first time this season, Dylan, do you have a little potted synopsis? I do. I do indeed but I'm a bit out of practice. I also watched the episode like two days ago. So we'll see if I can remember it. I remember- Oh, I'm fresh, I'm fresh. Okay, great, so Um... you can jump in. I remember Mm -hmm. Miranda gets poo on her head. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes, she does, Um, yes. Oh, Samantha is transphobic and then does some insider trading. Correct, Um, yeah. What else happens? Um, Yeah, oh yeah, so that's it. So Samantha is pissed off about gentrification despite kind of causing the gentrification herself. Oh, we will come <laughs> to the gentrification of the meatpacking district, fear not. Um, Miranda and Steve, oh, Miranda's in love with Steve mm-hmm. um, and responds in a very Miranda way as soon as she realises and like um, responds by being really horrible to him. Oh my God, <laughs> I, I don't believe I it. I don't believe it. Um and who have I missed? Oh yeah, Carrie. 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 <laughs> um, Carrie is nervous about her date with Berger, mm-hmm. um, and uh, to kind of quell her nerves, goes on a what? What was the phrase? A practice a date. Simu date. A simu date. A simu date. Um, yes. And Charlotte and Harry. Oh yeah, Charlotte tries to coerce Harry into <laughs> not. <laughs> to not, denouncing uh, Judaism. Denouncing Judaism 
through the through, medi- through the medium of, of sex. Yeah. Which I mean, who among us haven't been there? I mean, <laughs> but let let's get let's get to that in time. Um, the question that we have to address this week is: when it comes to financing and dating, why do we keep investing? Mm. Um. Yeah, there are lots and lots of market-based puns. Um, stock markets, food markets, dating markets, yeah. um, meat market, mm. um, so, so many kinds of market this week. But yes, let, let's start off with with Carrie as ever. Um, so much drama for a first date. So... <laughs> but I, 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 lo- I love that, you know, while Charlotte and Miranda in particular have really big life stuff going on, Carrie... Well, it'd be disappointing, wouldn't it, if she didn't find a way to make it about her. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't hate her in this episode, though. To be fair, um, I thought... oh, there, there is one line where I <laughs> hollered in a public place watching this episode in my little workspace. You, I wonder if you can guess which line it is. Um, it comes quite late in the day. Not helped by the fact that I do really despise Burger as well, and I think I've realised the reason I despise Burger is because I think I might be Burger. <laughs> I think like, I might I... be Burger as well. In fact, Charlie Craggs, I think, said that I was Burger. And oh, Charlie Craggs, is, is, she is a very perceptive person, so... <laughs> no, um, but it's, do you know what it was? It was that first voicemail he left that was, like, so kind of, like, effortlessly rehearsed. Oh, and when of. he was like, hi, it's Jack. Burger, not Kerouac. Oh, <laughs> but the thing is, I would do that. I'd be like, hi, it's Juna, not the Jupiter space mission, Dawson, Juna Dawson. Dawson, not Birch. <laughs> <laughs> Although that said a lot, and Juna Roche as well. So actually, there are three trans Junas <laughs> prolific in the UK and Often I've been accused of being both Juno Rush and Juno Burch. I think we so. should have a Juno um, All-Stars where we have them both as guests on the podcast. <gasps> that would be amazing. I love Juno I've never met Juno Burch, but I, I like her an awful lot. And I think her drag is amazing. Oh, yeah, she's great. Yeah, The Sims, um, the Sims it, videos as well. <laughs> genius. <laughs> love her. Um, so, yeah, so Carrie is freaking out because she... And I did like this bit because there was just enough cynicism in it when they're at brunch and she says, I really think this could work out and then she's don't you just love it when you can convince yourself yeah. that that's true and and she's so right there is something about when you first meet someone and you can and you know you're lying to yourself but you project this ridiculous future onto somebody that you barely know yeah based on nothing but vibes kind of and you get excited um, like and that was why I didn't hate her too much because we've all kind of been there a bit First dates are really exciting. It's it's kind of, you know, it's been a long, long time since I've been nervous about going on a date, kind of. Yeah. Um, But I do, it's not so distant in my past that I don't remember it. Like, I remember sort of, you know, that, that sort of hopeful expectation of, like, the text to confirm, are we still meeting tonight? Oh, yes, we're still meeting tonight. And it, it is, it's all very, it's all... It's all very giddy. I was thinking though, um, I think I found, I always found, I was I was fine leading up to it, but I think I always found afterwards more difficult when you're like waiting for them to, when you're like waiting to hear back from them after they've had their first impression of you. And then you start to like doubt yourself and think about mm-hmm. the things that you said and like stuff like that. Yeah, it's tough. Shout out to I mean, anyone dating. That, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sympathy but I mean there is because as well we've all been on that amazing first date where they've just vanished off the face of the earth yeah um like Miranda I like to imagine they died yeah 
Yeah, they died. I just they just they died. That's why. Yeah, there are there's someone you think you've made quite a good impact, and then you just never hear from them ever again. Like, yeah. Do you know why? It's because I'm Jack Berger. <laughs> it's because I was like, I don't need to be Sammy Davis Junior. <laughs> you've, <laughs> you've just got. I guess you've just got to tell yourself like it could be any number of reasons, most of which probably are nothing to do with you. Like. They could. I was a trans woman. It was because they were all secretly married and had different names. Well, I mean, <laughs> so, there... <laughs> so there was a really good reason for it. There is that. Um, mm. But yeah, I mean, so many people probably are already, sadly, or are already in relationships because um, mm-hmm. just people are shit. Um, or yeah, it could be anything. So yeah, it's funny. I mean, this is almost for another podcast, but um, I've just read a book that was recommended by a friend called The Ethical Slut. Oh yeah, I've heard. That's really really good. Okay. Yeah, it's it's kind of like the sort of the the Bible of kind of like ethical non-monogamy. And after so many people had mentioned it in various conversations, I was like, okay, I do actually need. And I was in a feminist bookshop, and the owner was just like, oh yeah, we've got one. Nice. And so it's interesting. I feel like all four of the Sex and the City women could have really benefited from reading The Ethical Slut. It's one of those, you know, when sometimes you just read a book that's just a dose of common sense. Mm. And you're like, oh yeah, this is good. This is good stuff. And it feels like everyone, everyone I know who is interested in dating, should possibly read *The Ethical Slut*. I think it's, it is, a little island of common sense in a chaotic world. But yes, anyway, back back to Carrie. Um, so yeah, she goes on her simmy date with poor old Willie. <laughs> that was, such, was very, yeah. That was such a great scene. <laughs> Yeah, he's a very prolific actor. He's been in everything, has actually. He has not stopped working for 30 years. He often kind of plays like the dad now, kind of like, you know, sort of like in teen shows and stuff. But yeah, that was excruciating. I don't think I've ever had a date quite no that catastrophe. Catastrophic? Catastrophic. Catastrophic. Sty, a pig gets attacked by a pigeon. And then when he... he when he tries to get up and the table just goes flying, it was just like, <laughs> oh my God. And then my favourite, this might have been the bit of dialogue you were talking about afterwards. Just the wildest bit of dialogue I think I've ever heard, one of the wildest bits of dialogue I've ever heard in Sex and the City. Carrie says to Charlotte when they're walking through like, I think they're walking through a bookshop or something. Carrie says to Charlotte, can you get a sty helping someone up from gravel? And then Charlotte just turns to her and says, did you know Elizabeth Taylor converted to Judaism? <laughs> and it's <just> like, <laughs> what is this, like, conversation? <laughs> Look, you've, you've only got 26 minutes to do a lot of plot, <laughs> Dylan. Sometimes there has to be a very abrupt change of conversation. Yeah. Um, Carrie, yeah, I thought there was the lots of kind of really prime SJP stuff. I thought actually the performances were all really top notch this week. Yeah, but I thought that it w- it was a very so we're starting a new series with Sarah Jessica Parker Trotting. running through the streets yeah. in heels in a platform heel, just doused in designer labels. We, we are fully we've left reality now we now have a freelance columnist who wears top to toe <laughs> designer labels i think the handbag was dior i think or valentina i'm not sure which but... i was so here for it though like as soon mm. as it started i was like and because like you know i've missed it's nice to be back doing the podcasts and stuff as well and mm-hmm. like, when it started i was like we're back season six sjp's trotting around she's opening the stock market um, for, for reasons. Um. Why? Why? Again, so this is, again, one of the ongoing questions of So I Got to Thinking podcast is just how famous is Carrie Bradshaw? Yeah, yeah. Like, is she Dolly Alderton famous? 
is she like Catelyn Moran famous? Mm. You know, was she, was she bigger than that? You know, it's kind of, it's, so there she's doing doing some random celebrityness at 9.30 in the morning or whenever it was. It's that trot that she does, particularly, specifically in this scene at the beginning of season six, that is one of those ridiculous things that's stuck in my head and I always imagine myself as that scene when I'm running from like, drinks to an STI appointment and I and I only have five minutes and I'm like trotting. You hear that music dum 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 um yeah she she gets on a subway. She does I think we see we see that once in years. We don't see her on a subway train but we see her emerging from a subway station. It did make me think though like um because I was thinking about Sex and the City compared to one of its major pulls is the fact that it was filmed that it's filmed on location. And yeah. like I was I was impressed watching this episode when she was in the traffic, when she was in the cab and she was mm-hmm. in a traffic jam. They were filming it in a real traffic jam in New York City. I don't know if they had orchestrated the traffic jam. I like, would fully imagine they'd orchestrated But it was it. like, tan- do you know what I mean? Like it was tangible. It was there. Like, um, yeah. and there's just no way, like Will and Grace was allegedly. Or Friends. Or friends. Friend- friends is the obvious one, which was no more filmed in New York. Yeah. Than- like the outdoor yeah. scenes, you could just tell like that it was mm-hmm. a set in L.A. Um, so yeah, that was just a little thought I had. It really sets sets sex and the city apart that it's all on. Oh, location. always, always, yeah. That you know, and it makes Manhattan look so wonderful. Yeah. And, and I think by six seasons in as well, they were looking for parts of the city they hadn't been to. Mm. And of course, if you've never been to Manhattan, it's not that big. Mm. So it's kind of a, there's a, there's a, it feels like there was only a matter of time before they had to go down downtown to the business district. Yeah. Um. And what better way of doing that than putting putting Carrie in the stock exchange? Yeah. And I think she was as perplexed to be there <laughs> as we are perplexed to find her there. I loved her little, when they put the security wand over her brooch, mm. a little surprised, like, oh. <laughs> oh. So ugly. Yeah, lanyards are ugly. I must admit, at publishing events, I do reject lanyards. <laughs> if I've put a look together, I'm not having a little shit piece of cardboard swinging around my neck. Oh, yeah, Absolutely no. not. No, ugly. And frankly, people ought to know who I am. So, oh, I'm this, sorry. That, sorry about it. That reminds me, speaking of holding a look together, um, I've been to a few Christmas house parties recently and mm-hmm. everyone has said shoes off at the door and I'm and I'm not happy with it. <gasps> well, <laughs> in about 10 weeks time, we will address why I like yes. to keep my shoes on my feet. Actually. A woman's right um, to shoes. Is that the Which episode? is, of course, as we know, which is Juno Dawson's least favourite episode in six seasons worth of. Is it? Wow. Yeah, it's my least favourite one. Um, but anyway, back to this week. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> so it's a Carrie Meets Burger... Obviously, we know it's about to go horribly wrong. My actual line of dialogue that makes me want to pluck my eyes out um, and shove them in my ear so I don't have to hear it ever again is we get a blast from the past. (gasps) It's Aidan Shaw. And he turns around and says, I have a baby. To which Carrie fucking Bradshaw responds, (laughs) I have a date. (laughs) What a cunt, honestly. <laughs> just, just. I mean, need we say more? Like, yeah. um, <laughs> trivia. That is SJP's baby. I wondered. I was gonna ask because when that baby sees her, his little arms go out yeah. and his little face lights up, and I was like, babies don't do that to anyone but their mothers. Yeah, so, yeah. That's oh. SJP's baby. I read that when I was um doing some half-assed research for the episode. That makes total total sense. I and mean, you know, it never occurred to me before, but the way that baby responds when 
when Carrie goes in for the hug, the baby goes to put its hands out, yeah. which the babies just don't do that. The so. double denim is my favourite Aiden fashion moment so far. The double. I denim mean, he's outfit. so hot. Whenever <laughs> oh, I just see him, and I'm, he just brings it all back. Oh yeah. But I still have some timeline issues regarding how fast Aiden Shaw moves on. Oh God, actually, yeah, because because in somehow remember last season was only meant to be five episodes we don't we don't know how long sort of chronologically season five takes up but obviously Brady is still a baby so we know it we, we have not jumped forward three years or anything we haven't point. had a time jump so somehow given that we saw Aiden four weeks from the end of season four when when he leaves Somehow, but basically in the space of a year, he has met, married, impregnated, and birthed live young. I would be, I'd be pissed off if I was Carrie, but then she did cheat on him, so. <laughs> she did. I mean, she just said, and I did, so the line, obviously I hate that I have a date line, but I did like the, God, Aiden uh, line, yeah. which says so much, kind of. And I mean, that and again, look, that look that they exchange, mm, a bit like, oh God, wow, yeah. I do, I do wish, and I know a lot of people will be, throwing their Alexas out the window at this point. But um, I do wish this was the last time we ever saw Aiden. It felt like the exact right finale for mm. the Aiden Shaw character, which for better or worse, he got what he wanted, which is Aiden wanted a wife and children and was in a real hurry to the point where, of course, it, and I always say this, he ended their relationship, not Carrie. Mm. You know, he put so much pressure on Carrie to get to what he wanted, which was he wanted that ring on her finger and he wanted to start a family. Whereas Carrie was having a very physical reaction to being pressured and, and it was wrong. It, it was kind of a form of almost emotional abuse. And, and I quite like that Aiden got what he wanted. And I quite like that we will never know if that was a thing. We all know people who have raced into weddings and families because, you know, they think that's what they want and they're approaching 30 or they're approaching 40 and the clocks are ticking. And and certainly I, I know some people where they're, they're you know, you sort of think, oh, this is all happening a little bit quickly. Yeah. And um, I think it's a recipe for disaster as well, like because it, it can be, it can be, yeah. Yeah, I think it can lead to problems further down the line mm. for sure. Because it takes time to really get to know someone, you know. I think in a strange, in a strange way, I'm really, really glad. So here we are, new season, bringing my husband into it already. And <laughs> um, I'm glad the the pandemic delayed my marriage by yeah. a good year and a half, and I'm glad it did because by the time I actually married Max, I felt having survived the pandemic together, I felt like I knew him a lot better uh, and I also knew him in a different way and I think he knew, he knew me in a different way as well if so. only 2020 Juno could could look forward in time and and hear, and hear you, you saying that. oh don't get me wrong it was a huge <laughs> admin upheaval yeah. but I think it's strange I went into the marriage more certain that I was doing the right thing than I would have had the wedding happened in 2020 I see what you mean COVID. yeah it was like I would have it would have all gone ahead but I, you know I was I was felt very secure in our relationship. And I guess also did. because you had fought so hard to have this wedding that like by the time yeah. it happened, you were like so certain. Cause like if there had been any uncertainty at any point, you would have thought at some point, like, yeah. 
Um, mm. Mm, yeah. So I, I quite like that, given that Aiden's exit was quite dark in a lot of ways. I quite like that ambiguity of, oh, he's met this woman called Kathy and they've just had a baby within the space of a year. Now, obviously, Sex and the City 2, we we later discover he's still with Kathy and they have two more children. Um, I quite I quite liked leaving Aiden a bit of a mystery, obviously, and I believe John Carver is coming back from just like that season two as well. So yeah, I was the story's not over, kids. I wonder if we'll meet because we didn't we we never met Kathy. I wonder if we'll meet her in um and just like that. Yeah, let's find out. I mean, it's like real that I'm playing Kathy. I'm playing <laughs> Kathy Shaw. I, I, Juno Dawson as Kathy Shaw. Um, I'm playing a cisgender woman. Amazing. And I've had three children, um, <laughs> all with really made up kind of cowboy sounding names, I believe. Um, Casey. What so, do we call Casey? Yeah, like <laughs> Satchel. Fern, Satchel and Tate, they're called. Tate. Um, yeah. But, um, yeah, obviously for this last go, and as well, season premiere, a really well-timed blob of Aiden Shaw, yeah. kind of. Um, and I, I like the meaning as well. I like that she she realises, well, God, if I can deal with that, then I can definitely handle going on a first date dressed like a Disney Channel starlet at a premiere in the year 2002, <laughs> which is how I would describe that outfit. Was it, was it, was it the one with the... She was wearing a bedazzled bandana at one point. Yeah, one, bedazzled yeah. bandana, cardigan overdress over jeans <laughs> over heels. And then like the jeans were like three quarter length. Well, they were like cut-offs. Oh, they? no, they were boot boot cut. Properly oh, they were. Boot cut yeah. Flares. yeah, hideous. <laughs> the, the most 2002 outfit I've seen in a long time. Although I noticed Katie Holmes tried to bring it back yes. recently. <gasps> yes. I think it might be the, as much as I'm sort of ironically obsessed with it, I think it might be the one look that is just never going to come back because it's so Jeans under dresses. Absolutely so not. <laughs> no. Mark Jacobs, before you get any ideas, no. <laughs> no. We are not Amanda Bynes. It is not 2003. Stop. Well, while we're on fashion, I did really like... Miranda's asymmetrical sort of dress that she was wearing at brunch uh, in the meatpacking district. Yeah. Yes, that was gorgeous. That was she nice. that, that scene, that scene, she looked stunning. I did not like Harry's headscarf. A lot of headscarves for Carrie in this episode. Yeah, she liked. She's this is the bandana era, I think. Ooh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> not nice. Um, also beautiful, beautiful. I think agent provocateur underwear for Charlotte while she's riding Harry. Oh yeah, as well. stunning. Yeah. Beautiful underwear moment. Um. Let's take a narrow little break, yeah. and then when we come back, we will discuss um, insider trading, Judaism, <sighs> and shitty, shitty foreheads. See you in a sec. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. 
It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi, welcome back to So I Got to Thinking. This week we are discussing Season 6, Episode 1, To Market, To Market. Um, let's talk about Miranda and Steve. Um, which is, I guess, almost gets as much airtime as Carrie and Berger yeah. in this episode. I thought Miranda's acting was really, really phenomenal. Incredible. Especially, and you know exactly which scene I'm going to point out, the the terrible voicemail message <sighs> she leaves. Oh my God. It's, it's the, hi Steve. <laughs> Magda. Which I think he's so good. Magda could sit with Brady. Let me know. <laughs> Bye. It's Amanda, <laughs> by the way. Um, oh, so, God, so good. so good, yeah. <laughs> oh, I love her so much. Just so... Throughout. Just so charming. And, like, this is what we've always said about Miranda and Steve. Like, mm. it's just so... I think through a mix of it being the story that's most grounded in reality mm-hmm. and through those two being possibly the strongest actors in it, maybe with the exception of SJP, um, it's just the easiest to identify with and it's just so kind of empathic and and is always a joy. Um, Which is why I think we were so upset by the way Steve was handled in I'm Just Like That. Yeah, yeah. And I thought Eigenberg's performance was very strange in yes. Just Like That. Which even, you know, even Max, when he was walking around, was going, what the fuck? Yeah. He's like, hi, Miranda. <laughs> um, but then, and you're right, I wonder if because... Stephen Miranda feels so real. Like the scene with the shitty forehead was great. Um, <laughs> Poor Miranda. She's had to. She has to deal with shit. And this is the second time she's had to deal with shit. With because there was Steve's skid mark as well. Oh, the skid mark. She got jizz on she her face. <laughs> the cat eating the baby's belly button. Yeah, she, she a lot of body horror yes. for Miranda. But um. <laughs> And it's good, and the very me as well to pick a fight with someone at the drop of a hat. Um, and I wonder if that's why, when you replace Steve with a character as demented as Che Diaz, <laughs> why if it does feel like a bit of a kick in the teeth? Maybe in theory, in theory, perhaps you know, Miranda realising that she's attracted to a non-binary person could have been really thoughtful, but it didn't feel, it just felt insane. Um, and it's, I, I think it's, and I think it's going to be a struggle this season because the Steve and Miranda stuff is really good this year. Mm. And so it's only going to serve to remind us how, how strange it was in just like that season one. Although obviously, there was a plot line there, which is what happens when you are 20 years into a marriage? Yeah. And it feels like that wasn't the storyline we got. Whereas it feels like in Sex and the City 1, we did get glimmers of that storyline. Although, obviously, after Miranda learns 
that Steve's had an affair in Sex and the City one. We do, we don't really see him again until the end of the film. So it just feels like Steve Brady has had slightly short shrift yeah. since the end of season six, which is he it feels like he is a cipher designed to further the Miranda character. Whereas at this point in the show, in season six, Steve feels like a really well-drawn, interesting character who rings true and, you know, it is heartbreaking when they finally do go on what Miranda considers like the date night and, and Steve tells Miranda she doesn't need to worry, he's met someone else and he's not in love with her anymore. Oh, that's brutal. That's really sad, yeah. really, really sad. And as a writer, just exactly the way you would do it as well. So just as Miranda realises she loves Steve, that's when Steve says... and. And Carrie asks what everybody in the audience is saying, which is, what if you'd said it anyway? Yeah. But of course, this is a drama. And of course, this drama will play out for several weeks. And it was only during that during that day that I realised if Steve had been told at that point that Miranda loved him, we wouldn't have had Dr. Robert Leeds. That's true. But everything happens for a reason. That's true. Um yeah, I was thinking actually w- w- what you said about the the writing. Shout out to Michael Patrick King. Like this episode, this script was a banger with one oh. n- notable line. I have an, a date as an exception. Um, no, and the line that Samantha says as well. Oh, go on. Let's move on to Samantha. What's the bad line? Well, I'm not sure if I, I can't say it. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, no. That line. <laughs> yeah. So now the thing is, <laughs> if if I was with a trans friend and they said that to me, I would laugh. You would laugh, yeah. I think the issue was at the time, so let's cast our mind back. The T-slur was conflated between, I guess at the time, transsexuals and transvestites. Yeah, yeah. And and it was used quite interchangeably. But that showed that no one in the culture had an understanding of the difference between those two groups that a transsexual person is someone who is living working loving laughing as a woman or a trans man whereas a transvestite is just about dressing up and I think that that's the problem that for the longest time people thought that trans women were just men who were dressing up um, and then obviously language evolved and the word transgender became more of an umbrella term to encapsulate anyone who is, you know, doesn't identify as the gender they were sort of assigned at birth. Um, and I think as well, just the conversation rose and, you know, we we know that, you know, trans people are at such heightened risk of violence, of domestic violence, of being murdered. And, and so it became, you know, really... I think important to recognise that that word, the T word, often is going to be the last word that a lot of trans people hear before they're murdered, you know, and, and that's yeah. where it stops being funny. Yeah. And and while a lot of harmful slurs are great for a cheap laugh, you know, and you could use that, you know, with, with any minority group, you know, kind of, yeah, if you really, really want to make your friends have a cheap laugh, you know, maybe Mm. it's worth a go. But I just think, I just think it's not worth it. And I know there is a big conversation about reclaiming words within communities, but that's why I don't use the T one. Mm. Because 
like I said, it's just, I think it's too, for me, it's too intrinsically bound now with transphobic violence. Yeah. That I just, I don't know if it, I don't know if it can be that funny. It's interesting. I, I think we touched on this last season with Baguette to Faggot. That woman says Baguette <laughs> to Faggot. Um, which I, I use, I've got friends who um, would never use the word faggot. I, I use mm. the word faggot because I, I enjoy the kind of shock that it elicits. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I think that's, it, there's something about my dark sense of humour that I find it quite funny to use it. But I also, I completely understand. And I'm also aware of uh, people's reactions to it. Like I would never want to make someone else feel uncomfortable by using no. it. Um, so if someone asks me not to, I'll be like, oh, okay, I won't, I won't say that. Yeah, anymore. I mean, if, if other trans people say, say the T slur to me, I have on occasion laughed at the top of my voice, <laughs> like I just said, like, and I'm not going to name names, I don't want to get anybody into trouble, but it's kind of, you know, kind of, I, I would, but that's, it's very, very different coming knowingly from a trans person, because any other trans person I know is fully aware of the violence and discrimination yes. that we face. So there's almost something quite gala's humor about it almost yeah but we we know that samantha is familiar with the trans community of the meatpacking district because she used transphobic violence on them two seasons ago yes she snatched wigs off their heads and called them men and misgendered them and belittled their biology and made fun of their bodies so we know that samantha is desperately problematic when it comes to trans rights one hopes if god lover if kim cattrall had still been in the mix friend just like that if we would have seen a very different samantha because i think samantha would be totally accepting yeah. of, trans- of all of them she'd be the most likely mm. to be a super ally i think 100 percent, a sign of the times i guess yeah and it's interesting mm. the difference between um lines like this in, in sex and city versus lines like this in and just like that because Anthony, mm-hmm. I don't think he ever like says a slur, but he says very problematic stuff. But it's yeah. they kind of get by it, like when he calls um, LTW the Black Charlotte, and they mm-hmm. kind of get by it by the other characters around him kind of being like, "Oh my god, did you just mm-hmm. say that?" Um, whereas in this, when so for context for listeners, Samantha makes like a throwaway comment about. She said, when I moved to this neighborhood, the only thing that cost twenty pounds was a hand job from a insert mm. word that sounds like fanny here. Um, and the others just sort of aren't shocked when she says that. And I thought the distinction was... And we weren't supposed to be shocked either. We weren't supposed to be like, oh my God, Samantha just said that. It was just supposed to be part oh. of the script. Which, like you said, is a real sign of the times, for sure. A sign of how little voice trans people in 2002 had. Yeah, yeah. You know, kind of, that there was no one anywhere near HBO in a capacity to say, you can't say that. Yeah. You know, there, there you know... This episode was written by a gay man. You know, there would have, the halls of HBO would have been filled with LGB people. Mm. But it's a, re- a sign of the times that there wasn't a trans or a non-binary person within a hundred fucking miles of that script who would have been in the knowledge to say, well, actually, that word is desperately offensive to a minority group. Um, yeah. Even if some of them use it themselves, um, it's not okay. I mean there will be people listening to this who maybe think that Samantha doesn't sit well with political correctness and she's not a particular, and that's again what they would say for Anthony Marantino as well, which is this is a character who rails against political correctness. But 
speaking of people who rail against political correctness, well, like it's Jeremy Clarkson yeah. or it's, you know, Dan Wotton. You know, these are the people who rail against political correctness. So And also like we were like we were saying, like, and probably like a trans person would say if they were in the proximity of the script, is I don't think Samantha would hate trans people. Mm. It doesn't make no. sense for her character. So yeah, it's clearly there are clearly other issues at work. I mean, it's so it's a tricky result because in this, the, the, so to put it into the broader context of the episode, Samantha is saying that she preferred it. Yes. when her neighbourhood was sex workers and but sex she dungeons. fucking threw water all over them and tried to drive them away. So right, fucking, what is she doing? But it's the so she <laughs> called the police on black trans sex workers and then so complained. Samantha is the problem. But this, yeah. but this shit fucking happens though. It it was inadvert, mm. perhaps inadvertently, a very accurate portrayal of gentrification because mm. um. Just the other day, my friend did a show at the Phoenix Artist Club and they had to mm-hmm. turn the sound down on their show because the people who moved in above the Phoenix Artist Club because they wanted to be in proximity to interesting artistic people complained because they couldn't sleep because of the noise. So, I mean, yeah. Can you imagine? <laughs> Why? What's downstairs? Well, it's a club. <laughs> yeah, that, that'll be quiet. Just over crying out loud. That's wild. Yeah, yeah. But it's, and this is what happens. Like people move Mm -hmm. to areas because they're like arty and interesting. Um, But then a lot of these people have lifestyles that don't. Shame, it's shame on the councils who let these buildings become. We're having this one, there's a a campaign at the moment. They're threatening to put in some Airbnbs um, behind a very famous music venue in Brighton called the Prince Albert Pub. Right. And that would be chaos because, of course, noise complaints would eventually get the Prince Albert shut down. It happened with the Black Cap in Camden. Yeah. It happened with the Gina's Arms. You know, this this is an ongoing thing, which is, you know, it really does seem that councils hate the nighttime economy in cities. Mm. And, you know, just shame on them because without culture and the arts, cities wither and die. They're not cities. They become suburbs, or, you know. Or, so it's just, or it's just... Dubai. <laughs> Yeah, oh, oh, my least favorite place on earth. Mm. Um, so it's just kind of like, yeah, it's kind of come on, Samantha. I, I think people in glass houses like the one you live in, like the the former meat packing warehouse you live in, should not be throwing stones because or melons. <laughs> she is a wealthy white professional who has actively gentrified an area and is now complaining that her area is gentrified (laughs) you know christ watch out london she's moving to brixton next just it's it's going wow and then there's the guy she shows so she kim kim cattrall just goes full like porn actor which is fine where she's yeah i mean now that's what i call eating in (laughs) yeah you you can see why by this point kim cattrall was maybe starting to think about well what else what else is there yeah um, her lines with Chip Kilkenny were quite Samantha 101, weren't yeah. they? Kind of like, <laughs> um, he's very hot. Oh, I very. looked him up. He's called Victor Webster. He's been in nine million Christmas films for the Hallmark <laughs> Channel. So if you want to see Chip Kilkenny falling in love at Christmas, well, you're in luck. I mean, my God, he's delicious. Oh, stunning, yeah. It's... The scene with the towel. Oh, oh, oh. yeah, yeah. Um, I wonder in the Christmas films if he's the one who lives in the hometown who wears jumpers or if he's the one who 
the arsehole husband who lives in the city because there's always two aren't there yeah i think he's the man they end up with so he's the innkeeper in the jumper yeah (laughs) or like the christmas tree farm proprietor yeah the the deer farmer (laughs) um so um, yeah he's really really hot i'm not quite sure what's going on in that final sex scene where i think i wonder if they got shut down in fact i think i've read this somewhere before i think that scene was meant to be a little bit more bdsme Oh, I think maybe she was meant to be whipping him or something, and they were told, uh-uh. "Oh, okay." Like, and and because Samantha sort of gently bopping him with her hand. Oh yeah, I do. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I see yeah, what you like mean. that doesn't really seem to count as bondage to me, other than that he's handcuffed to the bed. Yeah. Um, I did. <laughs> I love her being completely unbothered when the when the janitor comes in. Miss Jones. Hi. Hi. <laughs> yeah. Um, love that. Um, and I think at the time as well, I wasn't clued up enough as to what insider trading actually was to know that it was a crime. Um, yeah, I remember being confused when he got arrested when I first watched like, it. Well, but now obviously I know. And he was like very casual about the fact that he was going to prison for presumably like, it's quite a serious crime. So it would, would be a good few years that he was going to prison for. And he was just like smiling as he was being arrested. Oh dear. Maybe, maybe there is a typical Kenny backstory where he is <sighs> he pays a his sex way out. addict or kind of, yeah, he's like he's like from HBO's industry, mm. which is that's how I now know about insider trading because of because of a different HBO TV <laughs> series. And if people are sleeping on industry, it's very good. Get get into it. Oh my god, also White Lotus but well. no one's I guess no one's got a lot of people don't have um HBO Max or well if you are able to watch Sex in the City on Now TV That's you can true. also watch you can also watch White Lotus but Dylan I think I think White Lotus has reached tipping point it's all anybody was speaking about last oh month Oh my god so. I had to like stop using Instagram if I hadn't immediately watched <laughs> the episode It was well that's when you know a show is doing really well <laughs> yeah. where you've got to watch it the day it comes out cuz otherwise it's going to get spoiled to shit yeah. by Evan Ross Katz on Instagram. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, or just unfollow Evan Ross Katz, I guess. Um, but, um, but yeah, no. It, but I love that. I love that. It feels like White Lotus has kind of become that, that bitch. Deservedly, it's that bitch. It's like Succession so. as well, yeah. Mm. It's kind of, you know, HBO couldn't trade on Game of Thrones forever, could it? It needed something new. So yeah, I'm sure if you enjoyed, if you enjoy Sex and you will like White Lotus as well. Um, just a la- final thing on Samantha. I did really enjoy uh-huh. the panning shot when she's walking past the leather bar and then Carrie's voiceover's uh-huh. like, and then she saw something truly shocking and it cut to like a guy like on a lead, <laughs> on gimp, a leash. Yeah. And then it cuts like, what was it? Pottery Barn or something. Pottery Barn, <laughs> yeah. Um, that Phoebe was good. Buffet's nemesis. Um, can we talk about Charlotte? Because... Yeah. I think this is Kristen Davis's imperial phase now. Yeah, really good. I think Charlotte was never better than in season six. She gets some amazing plot lines from... Okay, the conversion to Judaism takes about nine years and it's <laughs> quite boring. But the scene where she tells Harry she can't have children, mm. like genuinely, I got a little tear. Yeah. And the chemistry between her and Evan Handler is so good like like so touching when Harry's like what are you gonna do really lovely the fact he just accepts Charlotte for who she is and by extension Charlotte has to accept Harry for who he is and she isn't going to make him denounce Judaism by riding him like a cowgirl (laughs) yeah I got sad as well and I was like oh it's all fine in the end they have 
they have a lovely non-binary rock and they adopt the devil child so it's all, it's all <laughs> the cursed child <laughs> lily golden but um no i just i think and i think there's some like I, I got quite excited watching this episode because i know what's coming up and there's some of my favorite favorite charlotte episodes are incoming um really set the day really, set the day <laughs> really lovely line at the end of this it might have been the last the final line in the episode no it was the final line of charlotte's storyline when mm-hmm. she realizes how accepting and open-minded harry mm-hmm. is and then charlotte uh carrie's voiceover says and charlotte realized if this is jewish then if this is what jewish looks like then that's worth looking into mm-hmm. so i thought that was lovely um yeah. really nice all in all why do we keep investing <laughs> let's let's try and address carrie's question <laughs> but why do we keep trying i guess is the answer which i think this is this is a theme that we've kind of come across before yeah but you can see that Carrie after near misses with Big and with Aiden why embarking on what she believes is going to be her next great love is filled with risk I guess like the stock market yeah yeah um and I guess I mean and I think we have said this before but like the the risks are worth it for the the gamble is worth it for the potential gain, isn't it? Hang on, we answered this question last series with why gamble. Yeah, pretty we, much. Literally, this is the same <laughs> fucking question as about five episodes ago. So I'm sorry, <laughs> listeners. And so we're going to give you exactly the same answer, which is why do we keep investing? Because you you have to. I think you know, and and I think we answered this question also in season five which is like Carrie has almost become cynical which is you have to put yourself out there a little bit if you want to get something back and I think it's it's worth it the potential gains are worth it and not just in terms of I I don't know I don't don't know why it is at the moment I think I'm just feeling quite kind of mindful that possibly a lot of our podcast is about relationship like love romantic relationships I always think it's worth putting yourself out there in terms of friendship relationships as well like going into my 40s and now married there is something equally exciting about making new friends yeah you know kind of like the excitement of see, seeing a new friend and kind of building upon an existing and it friendship. makes it um it makes it all the more special I think doesn't it when you're a bit older because I think we uh, friendships don't come as quickly when you, when you as as we get older. So when you do meet someone who you connect with, it's really special. Yeah, like you might, for example, create a podcast. Yeah, as as a reason, as a reason <laughs> to make sure you spend time with a new friend. Yeah. So it's kind of this is you know the the things you have to do. It just it does it takes a bit more work because you know especially you know I'm not in a workspace. I'm freelance, so I don't have an office really, and you know so. I'm not at school, I'm not at college, I'm not in an office. So, you know, where am I supposed to make new friends? You know, I'm, mm. my clubbing days are a thing of the past. So it's like, mm. where, where do you make friends when you're in your 40s? Yeah. yeah. Let's find out. <laughs> um, one final thing. I was confused mm-hmm. by Carrie using the payphone at the end to call Burger. So she... Because she hasn't, she hasn't got her sparkly phone yet. Oh, she's a technophobe, isn't she? But, but then I was yeah. like, how is... Because I thought it w- was maybe pre-cell phones, and I was like, fine. But then I was like, no, because how is she calling Burger? So he must have a cell phone. And she knows his number off by heart. Crazy. I was going to say, how does she know... Who knows people's cell phone numbers off by heart? I don't know. It was Carrie all... Bradshaw. <laughs> Carrie Bradshaw. <laughs> Apparently. Yeah, it was just all a bit... I was, like, trying to work it out in my head. Um, but, yeah. I think the first time we see Carrie's cell phone... Is, the movie? is 
soon. No, it's while she's on jury duty. Oh, right. She gets a call from Big. So I think at some point between episode one and whenever it is Carrie is forced to do jury duty, Carrie invests in her flip phone. Mm. 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 Wow. Interesting. We shall we should keep our eyes peeled for the first sighting of <laughs> the cell phone age of Carrie Bradshaw. <laughs> Please do join us again next week as we explore season six, episode two, Great Sexpectations. And I'm sure Dylan and I will have plenty to say about shit sex. <laughs> Until then, take care. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.